and the skill that you can develop is being able to separate yourself from the work. But then at the same time, you need to put 200% of yourself into the work. Discover what actually makes you feel good. Look at that cool shit. I mean, it's not an excuse for you to redo your beautiful introduction, you know? It was, it, it, it was quite good. <laughs> Welcome to the No Wasted Days podcast, a, a show centered solely on helping people improve their self-awareness and self-assurance by sharing skills, stories, and strategies from a diverse range of people that can be e easily applied or explored on a day-to-day -day basis. The mission of No Wasted Days is to unconditionally support people with being alive. The lives we all lead are these incredibly fortuitous things, but that doesn't stop them from becoming very complicated and confusing. As a result, there is nothing that should be more readily available to all of us than spaces that can help us think more clearly and easily about ourselves. With this mission in mind, No Wasted Days is building a bank of information, unique digital tools and interactive experiences that can help anyone become more self-aware and self-assured at a cost they can control. With all of this being true, and without any further ado, today's guests are two firm, firm friends of mine, two people with beautiful and hugely capable creative minds who currently exist in the worlds of advertising, mentoring, and the metaverse. There could hardly be two better people to explore how self-awareness and self-assurance can be both helped and hindered by life in the creative industries, and how the learnings from these experiences can be used to help other people whether you consider yourself a similar creative kindred spirit or someone to whom creativity of any kind doesn't come very naturally. In no particular order, it is my pleasure to introduce Sam Richardson Yo. and Jade Nudino. Hey, yeah. Am I, I've always been slightly concerned, Jade, that I mispronounced your second name. Yeah, you're butchering it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I've just got used to that. 110 days in um, in Spanish-speaking countries, there is hardly a, a person that has not been slightly put off or confused by my, uh, <laughs> my English pronunciation of foreign words. No, it's like, no dino. Just think French, we, it's flat. There's no accent, it's just no dino. No, Which does not. mean no say no in French, by the way. So no say no, no say no. Okay, we well, Jade. No say no now. <laughs> uh, but um, yes, um, for posterity, these podcasts, um, the mission of which I've just shared, um, will be built around kind of four key questions, which I've primed Jade and Sam with. Um, but uh, I've also thought of a list of kind of specific questions for them um that reflect on a life in the kind of creative industries uh and one of these questions actually produces a lovely place in which to start um so we'll kick off here um it seems to me as someone who has worked with people in the creative industries and as a modicum of creativity himself that if you consider yourself a creative person or are responsible for putting your kind of work out there in the world there's always this risk that you become highly identified with your own kind of creative output. You know, the work is yourself to some huge degree. So if the work's really good and the ideas are kind of really free flowing and, and kind of easy to come by and strong, then you feel really good. You like you have high self-assurance. 
But if, you know, uh, the work is kind of poorly received or, you know, that muscle of getting the ideas out of yourself is kind of not not so strong at a particular point, then your self-assurance can suffer. You know, um, is this a kind of dynamic that you'd recognize, you know, in your own lives or in your own minds? Do you want to go, Sam? Just storm out of the room for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes in a very yeah. short answer yeah I, I i think so i think that all creatives are guilty of being egomaniacs whether we admit it openly or keep it to ourselves i think that the challenge and the skill that you can develop is being able to separate yourself from the work and that's that's the big one i think like the, the big difference i'd say between what we do so advertising as a big catch-all and people who are actual real artists is that if you are an actual real artist being closely identified with your work makes perfect sense because those are things that are direct outputs from you as a human being whereas in advertising or commercial work that we do realistically you're coming up with ideas to satisfy the arse or the needs of somebody else whether that's an audience or a client or whomever so it's not really a reflection of you as a person and that's the big difference and that's the big learning that I've found over the years so definitely you know when I started out yeah the storming out the room having the creative drops all of that sort of stuff because people didn't see my brilliant vision but now I'm able to separate and look at look at the work I'm doing going cool here's a like great idea here's a thing that answers a problem but it's somebody else's problem and if I if if I think it's a good idea, then great, and I'll obviously support it and sell it the best I can. But if the person who owns that thing doesn't think it's a great idea, then that's fine too. And I think that that's the bit. So yeah, you always get an ego massage when people tell you how clever you are and how wonderful things are. And when you get to see you work out in the wild, like everybody wants to see that all the time. But yeah, the the thing that I've always tried to do since going from being a junior to myself like junior myself to now mentoring juniors is helping them transition from putting their everything and that full-on like self-connection to work into what they've put out there yeah because at the end of the day like you put obviously you like a reflection of your work because whatever you do it's always a part of yourself like you're answering a brief so it's a commercial part of yourself that has to answer certain parameters but but then like, yeah, the thing is, especially like what you learn with experience that you need to detach yourself and it's really hard and you need good mentoring and good people around you that show you because it's really easy to just take things so personally. And I've been guilty of it myself, like when I was younger and just let things like take you down. But now it's just when you detach yourself, life is so much easier of everything. But then at the same time, you need to put 200% of yourself like into the work and really because as a creative like when you hire people and especially and I tell also to my uh, men like to my mentees is do side hustle do your side project because it's your personality that makes the difference and makes the work better so it's kind of like you need to be yourself 100% but you need to detach yourself from like the outcome so just become objective of yourself which does sound counterintuitive but it's no, what it's it is it's a fascinating it's a fascinating little dichotomy because you know sam your point was that you know if you, yeah, say you were a, a singer or a, you know a music artist or a painter or whatever then that would be a space where it was 
better or optimal to give all of yourself but the kind of devil's advocate kind of question that's bumbling around in my head is is there a difference between giving your best effort applying your skills in as clear and effective way as you possibly could and giving your self why does there always have to be this kind of notion of self involved when really once you've had an idea once you've created a song it's sort of this edifice that sits outside of you it's not really you it's just an expression of your skills and abilities you know so where does that idea that it's you come from is it like i wrote down that potentially it's like when you're young and you have this kind of creative you know predilection and somebody pumps your tires for being creative or arty you feel good because you're like hey well look at me and you 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 look for that positive feedback all the time and assume that it must be you that's good not just the work that's good you know would you say that was you know where some of this kind of self-attachment stuff starts even if the work itself is kind of always separate to you it's not it's not you it's just an expression of your abilities yeah, yeah I think it's like at the end of the day like the thing is hard is like we're not saying like, as let's say commercial artists because I mean, not to call myself an artist because I'm far from being it, but let's just go for just to brush the ego. Uh, at the end of the day, we are not selling ourselves, we're selling someone else's product. So, like, our goal as working in advertising is just how do you impersonate someone else's shoes? Like, how do you bring yourself and bring your own personality into someone else's shoes? Whereas when you're an artist, you can just vomit on a piece of paper and say, hey, this is me and you like it or not. It's very much subjective. But whereas for us, there's so many more like parameters, which is I think it's hard to and it, I think you learn by experience to just yeah, fit in those parts. Yeah, I agree. I think it's it's not a question of the effort that you put in. Mm-hmm. I think that's, you know, creating great art could be effortless. It could yeah. just happen. Or it could come from years and years and years and years of experimentation and working really hard. And likewise with advertising or branding or whatever, you put in as much effort as you get out and that's how it is. But I think it's just the process. Like It's almost like how many filters do you go through before you get to the end result? So from an art perspective, the filter is you. Like, how do I feel? This is the thing. Whereas if you go from a more sort of traditional advertising mentality, it's okay. How do I feel? Well, that doesn't really matter. What's the strategy? What's the approach? Like, what's the information that we've got here? What's the audience ask? What's the blah, 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 blah. Oh, by the way, here's the idea. And that, like, that is the separation. And that's the bit that I think makes a difference. I'd add as well, like, Jade, you said about being objective. Yeah. And having that sense of objectivity. And I think it's, really fucking hard to get it right (laughs) (laughs) and and to learn and i think as well like one of one of the reasons why it's so hard is because everything that we do is subjective yeah and that's the bit like it's not there is no right or wrong answer it is whatever we put on the page somebody will have an opinion on it whether they like it or not you can't necessarily have an opinion on cold hard facts and cold hard information you can translate it in different ways and you can sort of create different viewpoints from it but when you're putting stuff down people are going to have an opinion and that that's the bit like that's the bit where it's hard to separate yourself from it because people can hate it and you can love it and neither of those options are right 
the only yeah. one that's just your your own ego that's the uh <laughs> but also easy like wait, especially at the start of a project when you do pitch and you like you immerse I feel for me like I love pitches because you really immerse yourself into world into brand and into a project and it's being back to uni and just you learn everything there's to learn but then after around the point and Sam and I we've been through this a lot is you get way too creative and way too out of yourself and you start like losing yourself and it's the most fun part because you just experiment and try a lot of different things but at the end of the day you need to have someone that say whoa let's just step back we had our fun does that answer like all those parameters sometimes sometimes yes sometimes like in two seconds we come up with a great idea and a great visual or execution but yeah but also i think you do need to have like all these experiment like experiment and like you have to i keep saying to the men like to my mentee like keep nurturing your inner child just keep experiments but then after just try not to go too deep so you lose sight of the goal and just it's like that balance but you have to experiment and be look at that cool shit hey it doesn't answer the brief but let's save it for something else <laughs> yeah well like these these are all fascinating points and, and what it makes me think about is that um there's a i'm gonna butcher it but there's a basketball coach that i love called john wooden and he talks about kind of well, whether people love you or hate you it's kind of is kind of of no consequence to you because you know you have a certain set idea of what you are um so you know the adulation the glory the hype that you might receive is is as much of an abstraction as the you know the painful criticism or the losses or whatever um do you think that either of you reached a place in your respective careers or in your minds where actually win or lose, you know, unbelievable acclaim or, you know, a slightly kind of misplaced pitch, you, you kind of your self-assurance never really suffers? Um, maybe for some of the reasons you've just explored in terms of like slightly detaching from the work or, you know, having these filters or seeing it as more of a team project or actually having a really good framework and basis for kind of breaking down why something happened, you know, because it's very easy when some, uh, say a pitch has gone badly, you know, to only reflect on your slides or your contribution or your component of it and maybe join the dots between it not working and what you did when actually there are many, many factors at play but it's like thinking of someone who perhaps was listening to this and wanted some of that kind of stability that win or lose, love or hate, you know, they can always move life through life with some purpose and some, some joy and some certainty about themselves, you know, you know. <laughs> Have you basically answered my question already from what you've just said or does that make you think of some slightly new tangential thoughts? Uh, I think like the be I mean, I always thought like you know the best way of to succeed is to help people succeed. Like at the end of the day, you're a team, and it might be a bit cliche, but communication it's key. And within a team, you need to have the space for failure and growth. And it's with failure that you come up to the like good solution. Obviously, sometimes there's deadline and it's not possible, but you need to have that. You need to be able or you need to have a mentor or a boss or a colleague that's kind of a bit the leader of creating that space and if no one does it i think it may be on yourself so i mean it's something you try it doesn't happen all the time but i feel like when you have that safe space i think everything can go to shit. and i mean 
you feel self-assured, basically. And I know, Sam, I'm going to massage your ego now. I know you are really good at doing that when we work together. <laughs> <laughs> we had a few chats. We had a few yeah. chats. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's a, it's a really lovely point, though, because, you know, it's this self-assurance, self-awareness piece, which I'm sure will come across in all of the conversations, is like a journey. It's not a fixed place. It's a constant kind of like... You know, we're all at different points and we all can kind of make progress in different ways. And yeah, it seems that that, that arm around the shoulder, the caring safety created by somebody important in your immediate environment, whether it's a, a family member, a friend, a colleague, you know, a, a mentee, a mentor, or even a mentee, you know, can make all the difference in kind of nudging your own self of self-assurance forward. It may be relatively temporary because that person can only create that safety in your life for the time in which you share it together. But it is a lesson that perhaps transcends that actually you can create that safety for somebody else or it is possible to feel that level of safety even if that person isn't there creating it, you know, immediately. You know that that's a thing that, uh, it's a bit of compassion that can be afforded to you. Um, yeah, I, I, I agree. And I think as well, it's it's about taking the time to discover what actually makes you feel good. Mm. And that's the big one, especially, again, of course, we're going to be talking about advertising because that's our background and everything else that we do. But there's, I'd say there's a big, big disconnect between what the perceived notion of success and what makes you feel good is versus what the reality is and what yeah. genuinely makes you feel good and what genuinely makes you happy and that's it like when you when you asked me what was a good day like so context we all used to work together and <laughs> what you know when you when you asked me what a good day at our old company was it was rarely oh i absolutely nailed this presentation to a client it was, I went and had a really interesting chat with Richard about No Wasted Days, or Jade and I went on this lovely walk along Regent's Canal and we just chatted about stuff. And in doing so, we came up with a whole bunch of cool ideas and felt really, really energized by that and felt great about it. That's the stuff. That's the bit that, you know, if we're talking about how have I built self-confidence, how have I, you know, found that self-assurance and everything else, it's taking the time to really, really notice what the things are that make me feel good. And by like, in, in effect, like what makes other people feel good that I work with and how does, you know, how does, how can we do better in that front? And that's like, that's the thing really, that's the win. So, you know, when we're talking about how do you deal with losing a pitch or how do you deal if your team hasn't done well and if you failed at something or whatever, for me, it's not even really about the losing the pitch bit because that's how, that you're almost analysing the wrong thing. Like, who are you really going to be jumping for joy if you win the latest insert FMCG brand? Like, not really. Like, are you going to be jumping for joy if you went for a few beers and like really connected with the people that you work with and just enjoyed that part? Like, that's like that's the bit. So that like that's that's where my I think opinion has changed a lot over probably over the last year or so i'd say because i know i know i've definitely been guilty as i'm sure so many other people have have been chasing the wrong thing and thinking that's the thing that's going to make me happy winning the pitches getting the awards 
being the big dog. Oh, I'm a creative director. Look at me now, aren't I great? None of that shit matters. Like yeah. none of it matters. And um, that's there's a fabulous join there between what Jade said a moment ago about telling her mentee, you know, to you know keep what really matters at the front of their mind you know whether it's the right audience or the purpose of the work or whatever you know knowing what success is or knowing what you're working towards is as good a compass as any for then processing whatever the outcome was yeah um, and yeah. to that point about processing the outcome it just so happens that uh, on nowasteddays.io um there's just been a second <laughs> There's just been a section added, which is a tool I used when Jade and Sam uh, and I worked together. I don't know if we ever did it together. It was mostly stuff I did within my team. But we had this kind of debrief format where you take an outcome and you bucket what happened into four buckets. So the positive and within your control bucket, the positive and outside of your control bucket, the negative and in your control bucket, and the negative and outside of your control bucket. And... Yeah. In all of the heady mix of what people think and feel about why something happened or what was really worthwhile, seeing your own contribution or the contributions from your team split out into those four buckets, kind of A, gives yourself a reason to pat yourself on the back, even if something went badly. Because even if the, the pitch was an absolute kind of firestorm failure, there will still have been things that you did that, that you know, were positive contributions. You know, you prepared well, perhaps the work was excellent. It just wasn't, you know, the right thing for that client at that time. Um, you know, the fact that someone trusted you enough to, you know, be in that moment and contribute your skills. You know, there's lots of these hidden things that you can forget in light of the fact that the outcome apparently wasn't exactly what you wanted. Um, similarly, you know, it's, more, it's more about like the journey. Like it's like if you, I mean, we can do the exercise together, like, try to remember like the best restaurants you've ever been. If you've been to a Michelin star restaurants or it can be just like a Peruvian like street food, like with a, gra a granny, like cooking out of a kitchen. But at the end of the day, I mean, the street food, it's different because it's about the experience. But if you try to think of what you ate at that most amazing restaurant, you're most likely not going to be able to tell me what you ate, but you'll be able to tell me who was your waiter what was the bartender who was who are you with and what was the the experience the conversation and the kind of like the joy or maybe if you had an argument but like the really like the profound sentiment of that happened at the end of the day the the result it's not what matter but it's all that kind of happened during that process or that moment there's actually that's the thing you're going to consider so it's always like don't be a dick to people because you know it's just, you know, like, you have, I mean, just be part of the, obviously, there is a heart there for everyone, but, you know, it's all about, like, the journey and the growth process, again, it's kind of, like, see, it just, like, help people succeed, and communication is key to just jump into straight into a cliche, but. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, it's, it's actually a good point, because whilst this podcast currently has no listeners, um, I'd imagine at some point there'll be one listener who's very output, outcome-orientated. And is slightly perturbed by what we're saying in terms of like, yeah. you know, pick pick your own measure of success, evaluate it accordingly. And even if what you you were sort of was a secondary or tertiary goal in what you were doing, if that doesn't happen, doesn't really matter. You know, they may be saying, well, of course it matters. You know, my career is dependent on this. You know, my growth is dependent on on this. Um, yeah. What would you say, both of you, to that person if they were 
listening to this conversation right now and because you're both sat here you know yes with a lot of work done but with some good successes under your belt things that sit in your back of your mind as like things you can sell to prospective employers or you know what would what, how would you feel if you didn't have that kind of backlog of you know go to wins i can take this because next week i am <laughs> spending an entire week in the Cotswolds with my team discussing oh, yeah. to KPIs through <laughs> onwards business plan objectives revenue blah 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 insert insert marketing something and yeah it's going back to when I started the antithesis of what I thought my job or my career or role would be like yeah. but with all of this talk of separation of self and work and blah and all of that it does come with the undercurrent of understanding all the bits that have to stay put and you're right like it should make it clear i'm really happy and shit's going well but i'm also very very conscious and aware of what i need to do to make sure the business succeeds and the work succeeds and everything else and i think it's more no it's less about the success from a business perspective and more about the success from a personal perspective and those two are interlinked but they don't have to be exactly the same and i think that's the bit so the kpis that i'm writing for my team i'm looking at that from the team from the business perspective how do we win more clients how do we make more money how do we come up with cool shit every day and get paid for it but that is not what i'm attributing my sense of self-worth and happiness to that stuff's all over here and i think that's the bit that i yeah want to make clear i suppose you can be you can be sensible in the front and fun in the back and uh <laughs> and that's that's where that's where I, I i keep my mindset um yeah like that's that's the biggest thing like that that's the biggest thing like today for example i spent a good hour and a half discussing the strategic flow for a pitch we're working on for a major shoe manufacturer brand whatever is the least sexy and exciting thing in the world but in doing so what we did was we took time to leave the house go for a walk just i, I went for a run came back felt better felt re-energized was able to do stuff like started processing things while i was out from the zoom calls whatever came back and then did the work and that like to me was the best version of me and the most successful way of getting the best work. It wasn't just grinding and trying to get the solutions that you want to get out of it. So as a bit of a meandering answer, but I suppose, yeah, the, the main point is these two can be separate. These two yeah. things can be separate. Uh, no, I think it's, it's, you know, beautifully meandering. Uh, <laughs> We need as a creative we need time to think like we can't we need to wonder we need to like i mean you get in like our conversation will spark an idea but like maybe like something outside the window will spark an idea or you know some like something that you read or something that you listen to so i think it's really important like like to just kind of like yourself just take back whether doing it's your dance so like allow your time to just to have your mind wander off and just create those meaningful experience, whatever that might be, might be just a really good coffee or really good conversation. But you have, yeah, you need to have like that thinking time to just 
just yet yeah, to just come back like more energized, but also have like a different perception of what you're doing because you might be stuck for like two days and you just can't think, but you need to, with that time, maybe you can see the problem like with a different perspective. Yeah, it's actually, it's a lovely, lovely point. And um, reminds me of a quote that I posted on the No Race Today's Instagram channel. Feel free to follow it. Uh, I love these. I love, the- I love it. There <laughs> <laughs> um, is a, a quote from Carl Jung and it says, the shoe that fits one pinches another. There is no one size fits all um you know way of living life and it's like to the point to thinking about self-assurance and self-awareness as it relates to the creative industries know what your process is know how you get the best from yourself even if that looks entirely different from what the cultural expectation is or you know though that of your team um because yeah you know you're the, the calmness that comes with knowing you're getting the best from yourself and hopefully the translation of that into the kind of work that helps achieve, you know, that makes meetings in the Cotswolds really easy because, you know, you've got a lot to celebrate and talk about. You know, that is a good kind of pillar. You know, that's a good takeaway from the, the self-assurance awareness chat as it relates to being creative. Know your process intimately and um, be prepared to defend it if somebody questioned it. Um yeah, I love that. I love that. And there's there's a big like big push at the moment um, from myself and then within the team like to help develop that process and find what that is. So the something that I've been doing recently that I think has led to the best work I've done so far is splitting my day into three. So again we've all been guilty of being sucked into like the hyper productivity mindset of like hey all you need to do to be the best person is to fill your calendar with 15 minute blocks of every single possible thing you do yeah yeah. that might work for some people but it absolutely does not work for me i've tried it i've got more stressed and i've failed what's working for me is i split my day into three now and that's it it's input in the morning process over lunch and like a couple of hours here and there and then output in the afternoon that's like that's the thing so meetings in the morning get all the information that you need talk about stuff basically come up with all the problems that you need to solve close the laptop get the fuck outside go for a run go for a walk go for a bike ride whatever and just let all of that information start to percolate in my head and yeah like example last week i went for i think i went for about two hour bike ride and just let my mind wander and all of the stuff that we've been talking about, all of the problems, pretty much like bore through. There was ideas, there was stuff that I could come back to in the afternoon and go, okay, here's some things. Like let's let's do that. Let's shape these. And then by the end of the day, job done. Like all of those problems are solved. And it was huge. And and I think that's it. Like for me, it's yeah, it's taken what 15 years, I guess, to find the process that works. But this is the closest that I think I've got to getting to that point where it's like, this is how I work. This yeah. is this is how I'm at my best. And I'm not for a second saying that, oh, okay, everybody in the world should do this same thing. But it was taking that time to really just allow myself to do it. Like yeah. the idea of going, uh, I think, you know, sort of one, one o'clock in the afternoon, all right, I'm going away for two hours now. You don't contact me. I'm this yeah. room that's that's a hard sell that's a hard sell in a lot in a lot of places but if you 
give yourself that freedom and the confidence to just do it the, you, like the outputs speak for themselves like that's that's the bit yeah. you can't you can't get fired for doing a good job in the end. <laughs> no i think yeah. it's i think this is like this is amazing i'm very jealous of that because obviously you know from where i am this is not possible mm. uh yeah but... sorry that didn't mean to be a humble brag by the way <laughs> i mean you're the king of the humble brag so <laughs> You're, you're very inspiring, Sam. We can only be uh, inspired by your uh, your confidence there. Yeah. But yeah, I yeah. Think there's, there's one thing that COVID actually really brought, like, I mean, a good, it brought many things, but it's kind of like that awareness of, you like, the work-life balance. And there's a lot of agency still trying to operate with the dinosaur system, and clearly it's not working, and people get burned down, and this is how you lose, like, talents, because... You need because once you give like that taste of freedom to creative and to people, there's no going back. Like you need, and I think like, and you need to process the information. I get all my ideas in my dreams. I've got video games level, like batch crazy dreams, but this is where I get all my ideas. And because that's where my brain is the most quiet and I'm a morning person. So I wake up at six, write down everything, sketch. And I mean, I'm useless in the afternoon. Like I just struggled, but having that freedom and also I think that comes with experience and seniority having the confidence having the confidence of saying this is how that works um although saying that Gen Z are not pretty good at delegating and saying how things are to us millennial uh which is which is a good thing because things need to change and you know you can be like you know in an agency where work keep getting lost you lose clients and you lose talent and a lot of people just don't kind of like reflect back on where is the issue. Um, and yeah, and that's, I think that's not good. So you need to do more of Sam. <laughs> yeah, well, be, be, be more Sam. Be you Sam, know, be it's, Sam. It's, it's, it's a, what are we talking about, you guys? Come on, guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think it should be, I think it should be recalled like the Ego Massage podcast. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think Remember, like, one, okay, one sort of devil's advocate on myself then to, to make it clear is that this only comes with freedom and yeah. this only comes with a understanding schedule and not direct needs and ask from clients on a day-to-day -day basis and all of this sort of stuff this isn't it's it's a sustainable way of being and a sustainable way of working but it's not a one-size-fits-all solution yeah. and I think yeah, that's well, that, when, well, that's when I'd be the devil's advocate to your devil's advocate. Um, <laughs> I, I, I'd say I'd say it both is and it isn't. Um, there's a fabulous 35-minute video by John Cleese on YouTube where he talks about creativity and management. And some of the pillars that he consolidates are like one of which is time and space, which plays to your point, Sam, around like knowing which part of your day is best placed for doing certain kinds of yep. work and make sure that they are protected to some large degree. That's like a win. But also he has this kind of second pillar, which is time. So knowing the time between, you know, when you're briefed on an idea to use a kind of advertising um, kind of idiom to when you actually have to deliver the work and um, know when a decision has to be made in that time. Um, I think we can all be guilty, whether you're a junior designer or, you know, yeah. I know in my very early career, I would try and, get so quickly to something like an answer with not enough information. And I was, I've been a bit of a people pleaser, but that's probably a podcast in and of itself. Um, but it's like, it's the, 
it's the lack of self-assurance and self-awareness, self-awareness of my process, self-assurance of feeling like you've got a flex really hard yeah, to, yeah, come, yeah. To, to be respected and, and trusted in a space. And also, often... it's... Oh, sorry, sorry, I cut you out. Gone. Um, yeah, I'm just uh, almost done. And it's like, it's so self-defeating you know because what you need is all the information the time to process it and that time and space window in which to deliver it you don't need no one's going to pat you on the back if you've got a good answer or half an answer three weeks ahead of time what only matters is that as when a decision needs to be made or when a thing needs to be committed to the best answer is available and stable and has been shared how you get to that point you know you should own based on your own understanding of what you need um, but I think also it's like um, I think it's like a confidence point as well. Like obviously you know me, I'm quite well tempered and really well behaved, and there was obviously even better when I was younger. I've got I've got nothing to say about what we what about what you just said. Yeah, <laughs> devil's advocate. <laughs> <laughs> No, but I mean, I think it's really important. It doesn't matter like where you are in your career and, you know, and sometimes when you get brief on brief on brief and really quick turnaround and, you know, this kind of like vicious circle of hyper productivity, I think it's everyone's responsibility to kind of like push back and say, hold on, this is not correct or I do not have enough information or this is not right for like, we need more space for, because this answer like, and I had that a couple of times in my career where, oh yeah, we need to do a website. But actually when you read the brief and you talk to the client, the website is not the right solution. It needs to be, I don't know, like a, a brand partnership or so, something else, but you need to have, you, I think you need to force yourself to take the time when there is no time. Uh, and it's a hard thing to do. And sometimes you do need to put your foot on the table and, not everyone maybe has the confidence or has the space to do it, but I think it's something everyone needs to do more. Just like, don't be scared to integrate and push back and give yourself the time you need to. Because at the end of the day, if you rush, you're going to do shit work. And if things are rushed and you've done what you asked, but then the client turns back, at the end of the day, it's going to be your fault. Which is, it's not your fault. It's like a chain reaction of events, but you, the creative always get blamed at the end of the day. <laughs> It's because we're it's the pointy end of the stick, isn't it? Yeah. That's, that's the thing. That's the thing. But we are uh, that foot, yeah. We are the shiny thing that you can smash on the pinata. <laughs> that's it. That's it. No, it, it is. It is. And I think like with that, you know, you talk about rushing to answers. 100 percent agree. And I think the longer you work in the game, the more you realize how important deciding what the question is yeah. first than the answer. That's yeah. the bit. That's the bit. So again, like it's it's hard, right? It's hard because you know, you get you you dumped into this like mad industry. And I'm I know that advertising is not alone in this, where like like Jade, you're saying like, outputs, outputs. What's the answer? What's the answer? What's the answer? But what's the point in seeing like 50 different answers if none of them relate to what the actual question is being asked? And yeah. that's it's it comes with confidence, like you said, it comes with time. But yeah, it's that conviction in pushing to find what that question is first is always the thing. No, yeah. it's, it's definitely exceptionally tricky. Um, thinking explicitly in an advertising context, the difference between what somebody feels they want and what they think they need 
can be hugely, hugely different things. Yeah. And unless you're prepared to question that space in the initial in the initial moment, then you the chance of you ending up in a in a really, really optimal place is really, really, um, really, really unlikely. Um, to just jump back briefly before we move on too much from the kind of process piece, um, lots of the things we're talking about seem to require some confidence on the part of a person to declare what their needs are. Um, but I think I'd imagine you two would agree, say if you don't, that if providing you're saying things that have the united objective in mind the best output for the client the best work delivered in any given moment you know even if they seem a bit selfish you know going for a run at lunchtime take two hours blocked out with no comms you know if you can make a really clear join about that action and the objective that it's working towards and that's one that you share that should give you a lot of self-assurance to say the things that you need mm. um because in a kind of employee kind of manager kind of dynamic yeah if you've got a feeling about what your process is and what the things you need are and you've been empowered to say so then you should say but on the same breath the manager should you know support and facilitate those things but also have enough confidence themselves to steer where they think hey i've seen a few people of your kind of archetype that claim they need this but actually it's what you really need is a bit of this and you have that safety to kind of figure it out together it shouldn't it doesn't all fall on the on the creative person to say hey i need this time and i think this will add her up to this they also need the the kind of sounding board and steering to kind of say okay i think you're right in this respect but let's just see how this goes that's treated like an experiment and see how we can learn and grow you know in that environment a lot of self-assurance and self-awareness is possible versus you know um uh, you can have moments where you've you've laid your cards out on the table about what you think you you need the first output isn't very good and then everybody's scratching their heads about who you are and what's going on which can be quite um kind of shuddering for people if they're, if they're not careful um but yeah keeping the Keep asking the best question and keeping the united goal in mind when you're sharing any bit of information is, you know, definitely a hack that can make you more self-aware and self-assured in the creative industries. <laughs> what a nicely rounded thought. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't always looking that way, was it, guys? Um, that was 10 out of 10. Yeah, <laughs> nailed it. <laughs> nailed it. Um, how has a, you know, in this case, kind of creative uh, advertising skill set helped your own A, self-awareness and B, self-assurance? The less you try, the better you are. Yeah. That's like rude. Genuinely. That's like Homer yeah. Simpson. <laughs> yeah, the yeah, lesson, yeah. The lesson that, is, like, watch me bleeding into the bush. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, yeah. I, really, I really mean it. And, and what I mean by that is not just like sacking it off. But what I mean is take away that pressure that you put on yourself mm. and for trying to force good ideas. Like no good idea has ever come from forcing yourself to do it by sitting in front of a screen and just staring at Reddit for four hours, just saying like, surely there's something amazing that's going to happen right now. Because it doesn't. Sometimes it does, maybe, but it's never worked for me. 
And I think that, you know, if we're talking about skills, I guess, that, that we've developed, mine is 100% in paying attention and trusting that an idea is going to happen and something's going to happen. And make, like when, when I'm outside or like, you know, even if we're in this call, like just listening to what people are saying, like genuinely listening to what people are saying, when you go outside, genuinely take the time to notice your surroundings and think about it and breathe and just let yourself be because that's when all the ideas come that's when this stuff happens and that like that i would say the yeah the biggest hardest skill in the world is to just trust yourself and know that this stuff is going to happen and just let it happen yeah also i think it's just trust your guts like sometimes it's sometimes the first idea you come up with it is the best (laughs) not all the time because it needs to be finessing and love but the essence of that first spark and that first it's maybe not an idea maybe it's more sentiments of what needs to be done usually this is like this becomes your north star and then it's you need time to breathe and to let that brew and grow and yeah but yeah yeah i I, I, I don't overcomplicate shit that's that's yeah. a, that's a big one. That's a big one. Again, like we're we're in the industry of trying to sound clever. Yeah. That's all like how guilty are all of us of we come up with a simple idea and we think, oh no, that's too simple. We've we've got to back it up with like a 12-step program to show how brilliant we are. It's like, nah, the idea is like the idea is the idea, and that's good yeah. enough. And if you can just explain that in a single sentence and people get it that is a million times more powerful than yeah. overcomplicating and adding and adding and adding. But again, it's, it's something that we're almost taught. We're taught yeah. to think that way. We're taught to go, Oh, you have to show you're working. You have to show how clever you are, but that's not how humans work. It's just, yeah. It's just like, it's emotion and it's the story you tell. So like have one sentence, beautiful image that just, Maybe it's not related, but vehicle the sentiment or what you want to say, and that's it. Yeah. Um, and I know, and we've done the exercise with you, Sam, like on my on all my like side project. Like, okay, he lets me. Sam will literally let me like rumble for half an hour, then stop me, tell me, okay, tell me that in one minute, and then thirty seconds, and then five words. It is the hardest thing to do, but it works. Yeah. <laughs> like, and at the end of the day, that's how you crack it. It's painful, but yeah, it is. The thing is the thing. That's it. You yeah. don't need- well, I, I, th- I think there's a glorious takeaway here in regards to like, if you're dealing in the realm of having interesting or creative ideas, you know, there's no, the there's two opposite ways in which you can get to that point. You can, you can you know, trust your instincts, let it flow, give yourself silence, give yourself time, you know, whatever previous inspiration you've had just let it sit and let it percolate and also there's kind of wrestling taking the ball by the horns there's the having a big slab of marble in front of you and chiseling away until it you kind of perfect it and you filter it and you shape it each of those options should be often applied together in the same project and they're equally as valid you know because it's it's the it's the interest and relevance of the idea that wins out not how you get there so if you have it in an intuition it was it just fell off your tongue in the kickoff meeting you know don't overthink it you know that's it yeah i remember i had you know there's any number of examples even in my kind of you know data-led 
life where you know you, you strafe into strategy and stuff and yeah you'll have some really beautifully high-minded ideas that are driven off this insight that insight but also you'll flop a few things extra in for stimulus or whatever but it will be those more instinctive things that appeal more emotionally to people and therefore we're closer to being the right thing so it's like you know don't be afraid to take the ball by the horns don't be afraid to let it flow but definitely never default to one of those things constantly you know because you know they'll, they'll you'll be trapped if you just rely on your pure intuition all the time because your intuition kind of needs to be fostered and honed and and just you know you need to be inspired but also you can't always you know drag something over the line with just effort and sweat and stuff you know that is too many joins it's too much like hard work you know you sometimes that's not that isn't what is required um, yeah, I get that. And I think, you know what, that it's a really good point about self-awareness with that, yeah. where it's discovering where you sit most comfortably. Are you a thinker? Are you a doer? Where are you at your best? Are you at your best navel gazing and coming up with these wonderful ideas and stuff like that? Or is it now? Nah, I just want to make the fucking thing like that's that's what I'm And a lot of us, we you know, you flip between the two. You have to that like you can't. I would love to just sit in a room and navel gaze all day, every day, but it turns out you actually have to do a thing, but it is, it's, it's shifting your mindset between the two and being, yeah, being aware enough to know where you, your mindset needs to be in the time of asking. Yeah. That, and that's, that's almost a perfect conception of what Jade was just saying about your ability to distill an idea. <laughs> I, just, <laughs> I, I, I blabbered for like three minutes on that same point. And then you summed it up super quickly that, yeah, there's this spectrum with wrestling it, doing it on one end and thinking about it on the other end. Know where you sit on that spectrum naturally, but also be prepared and ready to flex to either end as as needs present themselves. Because you don't also, always... also just bring the right team with you. Like if, you know, if you are more one or more the other and you can't like you can't juggle from the two, like just be humble and say like, okay, I need another brain to either bounce ID or, you know, if you're stuck or just get someone else to do the thing that you have in your mind and you can't do because, you know, there's like, again, it's just coming back, you know, to the team and just working together to help people, like to help each other succeed. Preach. Super, super true. Um, okay, brilliant both of you super illuminating um okay, so... the bank of, uh, <laughs> bank of <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing the 90 second distillation of you, you getting a pat on the back that, that this becomes <laughs> um so yeah so my second kind of premeditated question and it's slightly more kind of societal so yeah you know we'll see how this goes um what stories can you share from your space in the world so creativity kind of advertising that speak to where we are as a society with self-assurance and self-awareness because the problems or issues that we're kind of exploring that exists you know in terms of being a creative person or working in advertising they have a kind of root cause somewhere else about you know western society you know how we are grown up the values that we're inculcated with you know they have a kind of root cause somewhere else do you have some kind of like um story that kind of embodies where we are right now or or things that you have to fight that you think have a kind of societal cause 
and that if they didn't exist, you know, would make the whole experience, you know, no less high performing, but far more kind of calmer and people would be less anxious or or whatever. That wasn't the, the perfect way of saying that question. But um, but yeah, do any thoughts spring to mind? Yeah, I've got I've got an opinion. Always got an opinion. Always got an opinion on this. Let let it flow. Let it flow. Yeah, no, I, I think that I don't want to be old man yells at cloud, but that's kind of where I'm well, going with this. But you've already, you've already been Homer Simpson in this episode. Yeah, so yeah, you... yeah. This is this is it. I'm just going through all the tropes. Maybe I'll land as Bart Simpson, and that'll be the dream, right? Um, no, I think that we are all hyper, hyper aware of social media and the attention economy and the mindset that goes into that. And we've all been guilty of mindlessly scrolling, even when we talk about how terrible it is and how much we hate working with social media. We've all done it. We've all been there. But I think what's become clearer to me relatively recently or well, over, over the last year or so, I guess, is that it's not the cause it's a symptom of this wider mindset that we have created and it's a mindset that's just self-destructive it's a grind it's pushing yourself further and way beyond anything that you realistically should be doing it's what leads to burnout it what leads to not doing something that gives you genuine purpose so you just feel listless and tired the whole time it's it's all of these things they're totally totally inextricably linked and I think that, again, for me, like all of the good stories, all of the positive stories that I have about what I've been up to and when I've been chatting with friends and family and everybody else, it's being able to take yourself away from that. And I don't mean social media bad, destroy, but what I do mean is like taking that time to step away, give yourself the space, give yourself some time to breathe. And again, just think about what it is that, gives you joy and gives you purpose because that's what efficiency is to me like we, we talk about efficiency every single day like that's that's it what's more efficient oh well it's being chained to your desk and smashing out work what's more efficient making more money for people who've never thought of you and don't care about you like none none of these things drive any positive <laughs> positive reaction from myself and others including i think that's where that's where I'm shifting. That's where I'm moving. And I'd like to think and hope that I'm not alone in that viewpoint. I think that it's going to take a long time. And obviously, conversations like this, like, you know, this is a nice little echo chamber that we're in right now, where I know I'm, I'm preaching to the choir. But, Jade, you're talking about, like, Gen Z. Yeah that's that's the thing it's the perceived intolerance of bullshit that they're bringing to it. it's like well why should i work for you like why should i do this thing why should i work? Like, yeah and there are now there's like i forgot the name but there is a subculture of the gen z which obviously they were born and fed technology and social media and they saw firsthand and experienced firsthand like the mass destruction on and the effect on mental health and burnout and you know and all of that and all even like the sordid games they had or like suicide yourself online and all the like awful thing all those like sit like challenge but now you've got like a small part of them that actually my sister is one of them and all her friends they don't have social media they refuse social media and even for like 
more than that, you've got like now some of them that bought like clip from like the Motorola clap phone <laughs> and they've got film camera. And when they go out, they don't take the smartphone. They take the film camera and those phones because they say, I want to go back to be like, I want to be in the present and share my experience with my friend and create memory that actually will remember. Because when you take a picture on your phone, whoever like whoever goes back to that phone, like beautiful trip, like you went you're like no one does that so it's actually i think there's hope in humanity like when you see that younger generation that's finally just say no and you know like are the robots a bit and just basically gonna make our work really more difficult but it's our job to yeah to just keep doing it <laughs> well that, that's perfect it's, so, uh, so the children of the your own attention right that's yeah. it yeah that was a in, these are impeccable answers to the to the question um and yeah i'm glad to know that you know having whilst been traveling i've been somewhat detached from the various segments of society that we tend to talk <laughs> about um advertising projects through but um yeah thank goodness there is some subsection of gen z which are a bit more dialed into what it means to be alive than you know yeah. we've actually given the, them the opportunity to be to the, to sam's point we've given them tablets and social media and a really weird vicarious set of values you know from apparently meritocratic capitalist society about what type of suffering you need to do and that suffering is inevitable blah 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 blah, blah when actually there we know for for sure there are far more sustainable joy-inducing tenants of life that you're best focusing your attention around like what are your own values forget what the values of society are what are your own values and how do they ladder up to your joy and kind of purpose you know there are ideas in other parts of um you know different cultures in the world like the japanese idea of ikigai like articulate what your reason for being is you know forget what anybody else is what gives you joy what makes you feel nice when you get up in the morning because you know you're going to work towards this kind of reason that you are alive in particularly um and another brilliantly self-serving um <laughs> thought that you're no way today's digital journal if only you choose to sign up to it um <laughs> is um it has a year map section which helps you think about these ideas that are far more influential for your own joy and purpose you know, helps you think about what your values are, helps you think about what your guy is and keeps them all together in one place so they can be the compass or one of a couple of compasses that dictate your decisions, not what, you know, social media is telling you, what our current Western society is telling you. The, there is hope. So back to Jade's final point, there is, there is more hope than just, you know, where we are right now, which yeah. varies between sort of bleak and existentially terrible but um, there's, there's something like again just like i always tell my mentee which i learned from like the miracle morning book from hard which is basically is going back to the same philosophy like how do you see yourself in 10 years can just being lost 30 stone can just be quit smoking can be stay like be a long max or stay long max or go to Mars or whatever it can be but then once you really took the time to think of how do you see yourself in 10 years and it can be anything then how do you see yourself in five years those five years that kind of being that step ladder to that 10 years goal and then how do you see yourself in a year and technically that year goal should be another again a step towards that goal so let's say you want to be on Mars so then in five years let's say 
you work with Elon Musk, but then in a year it will be, oh, I'm going to do a master in nuclear science or whatever. But it's kind of like that breaking down, having like, again, it's going back to our first earlier conversation is what's your compass and what's your goal and whether it's like productivity or is at work or in your personal life, what is that goal and how can you break it down to make it more achievable and not like you've got a massive mountain to climb up. Yeah, and, and having some of those things which, you know, are so specific to you and so non-specific to anything that anybody would expect of you, make sure you've got at least a couple of goals that look and feel like that, you know, whatever they could possibly be. Like I've had a long-term kind of quiet thing to book some singing lessons because I'm pretty sure if I knew how to sing or I could sing slightly better than I currently could, <laughs> that the amount of hours of joy that would give me to play some chords on the piano and sing to myself. It's not good for anybody else. And dare I say, I might not even get to a place where I could sing at all well. But if I just felt that I had improved and could sit there and sing my little songs, that does a, a, does a loads for me. It's not a master's degree. It's not a, it's not a London marathon. It's not you know X percent body fat, but it's like, I know that's gonna bring me joy. So that's probably worth some of my time and attention. Um, you know, I say that as a bit of a manifesto to myself because currently I've not booked said lessons and I still can't sing. Um, but I do enjoy it when I sing along to myself, even at the bad stage. But yeah, it's like know what your joy is and don't be afraid to prioritize it, even if it comes in the way of some far more, you know, classic cultural goals and achievements that um, your parents might say, for example, that your best place focusing on. Yeah, dig that. Prioritize pleasure, right? Mm. So, that's it. What did that end actually? One of the um, best albums of last year. Uh, which is uh, well, she's an artist called Self Esteem, which is really yeah, I thought it was yeah. Oh man, it's so good. It's so good. Anyway, no, I've I've had that recommended to me actually by somebody else, so I should give it a listen. You, um, you should. You definitely should. Yeah, but as, as a final aside on the um, you know, role of technology piece. Um, we were staying in a hostel in uh, Ecuador a couple of weeks ago called The Secret Garden. doesn't have any Wi-Fi um, and it's all of the meals are shared and you sit down together. And it's amazing what that does for a group of people. Mm -hmm. Suddenly you're connecting all over the place, you know, with, you know, people from all over the world because you're kind of united in this kind of space of shared time. And because you can't cheat yourself into cheap thrills on your phone whether it's your whatsapp or your instagram or whatever you know you make your own fun suddenly people are there you know playing games together reading books together playing some music together just cuddling dogs together and and to look at that scene versus a lot of the you know the typical version of being alive particularly in london and you think well we've missed the trick here because we we're acting in a way that suffocates a lot of this all of the time you know um when you know i i i'm not a uh, greek philosophy expert but i know enough to there, know that there was a person called epicurus who felt that if you could only exist or you should prioritize existing in small communes with friends eating simple food doing things that you enjoy you know and i could in a moment i could see that you know you're just like wow yeah that would actually be in a bloody joyful way to live you know, and lots of what the modes we've constructed around productivity and efficiency 
pale in comparison as it as it relates to ways of getting joy pale in comparison to just this none of these people are no less productive but in this moment look at all the joy and connection you know just because we've dialed down the technology involvement just a little bit and allow people just to be bored yeah, yeah i think we need to be bored boredom is important no. you have that's, to well, that, that's a massive thing it's I've I've avoided going down the as a father route, but <laughs> I was considering putting parent in the uh, skill sets that you have. But uh... it's well, what, what I was going to say is that like the just on the boredom point, because you know I've read a lot about play. There's a great book called The Power of Play. Hundred percent recommend it. It's it's fantastic. And it goes into all angles of play because when we're when we're talking about play traditionally, we think oh kids playgrounds whatever, but it's not. It's about having a playful mindset. It's being open to doing things, experimenting, all of this sort of stuff. But with my massive dramatic life shift of now having a small human to keep alive, I've become very very invested and interested in how her development is going to be, and you know how can I give her the confidence to be playful and creative and invent things and do things. And one of the core, core threads that come through all of this is that boredom. And it's making sure that they're not overwhelmed with so much stuff to like keep them like, and it's like give them one or two toys and they'll come up with something. Kids will just create a thing. They'll just have fun. They'll just experiment. They'll be creative just by nature of being. And they'll be just as happy like Avery, my daughter, she is just as happy with a cardboard box as she is with whatever toys are in it. Because either one of those things can be a, a thing where she can play with, climb in it, put it on her head, do whatever she wants. Like, that's it. And when we're talking about what have we learned in terms of self-awareness and assurance and everything else, holy shit, just spend half an hour with her. Like, everything that you think matters doesn't. Everything, like all the time you spend on your phone, all the time you spend, none of that matters. Like it just, it just doesn't. And it's, it's amazing. This is certainly not advice. My advice is not have a kid and everything will be great. Um, <laughs> it's like, what is it? It's like not financial advice. This is not life advice. <laughs> but, but it does. It is, it is the ultimate reality check, and it's really helped push my viewpoints on stuff back to where maybe it should be. And that's 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 been a great thing. Yeah, yeah. I I have a not a similar story because I'm not the same kind of high functioning uh, uh, adult as you, Sam, with a child and a house. And no, you're far uh, high functioning, mate. This is this is a this is all an act. I've said no to all of that. I, I, I've transcended. No, I remember what he does. He sells concepts for a living. Remember that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Ideas. Thank <laughs> you, bastard. Um, but yeah, like I recently, like on my No Ways Today's journal, which I fill in once a day, um, and I'm planning my kind of day in the kind of middle page. I used to all the time, you know, because I have side projects like No Ways Today's that required time before I had to give my time away for a job. So I, my first one of the day would always be WBW or an acronym for work before work. And, you know, when you say that out loud, it sounds absolutely hideous, you know, because it kind of is. It's like this kind of suffering mentality, put the effort in, get up early, blah, 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 kind of stuff. But it's like, uh, to the same thought that you said around play, 
your performance is so intrinsically linked to a playful mindset or looking at something in the same way as, as, as your little girl does, you know, just with this eyes wide open, you know, seeing what's there and just testing things out. So now I've kind of pivoted it um, to um, PBP. So play before play. So mm. it's like, it's like, what am I going to play at now? Okay, well, it's, it's, the, it's the landing page or whatever it is. And I look at it with a playful mindset, not with a kind of work goals, achievement mindset, even though that they're both trying to ladder up to the same thing. They're both trying to ladder up to the best of my abilities and therefore something external. But I know I feel a damn sight better when I'm playing versus working, yeah. you know. And, yeah, and just that simple shift does does loads for my own, I don't know whether it would fall into self-assurance or self-awareness, um, but yeah, I feel better and that's good. That's good. <laughs> so yeah, also, here's the play. There's been so many studies of like creating time just for yourself before your desk starts. Obviously not being work before work is, yeah, it's not the right mindset to play. I love that like play before play. But just because there's so many nuisance, whether does maybe not nuisance, but there's so many thing and distraction we go through throughout the day, whether it's a kid, whether it's work, whether it's a dog, whether it's like whatever. But having this, even shifting your waking, like your wake up time by an hour, that change tremendously. Like the days I wake up an hour uh, early, I go to the gym. I have time to actually cook breakfast. If it's a good day, I meditate. But it's on a very, very good day. But just the fact of having even like 20 minutes to potter and do nothing. Or just maybe I'll clean something or I'll do something just for myself. But having just like that me time, really selfishly, just me, myself and I. That just like set the day. And those days when I have that time, created that time for myself, a shit show can happen. It's fine because my times, this is the first thing I focus on myself first. And the days I don't do that and a shit show happen, then it's much more difficult to be in the right mindset to deal with those things. Yeah, I think I is a wanky phrase, which naturally I'll have immediately to hand having a career in advertising. Um, but I like promiscuous attention. You know, you want to give as little of your time every day to kind of, uh, kind of frivolous things that aren't related to your goals at all you're just doing it because it's kind of promiscuous whether it's scrolling on tiktok or it's just there and it's easy um but you know if you're only given that same amount of time to either silence or kind of get to your point jay just kind of pottering around that will ladder up that will let your brain kind of run on what it actually wants to do you know i think we're often promised that you know these external tools or whatever as these sources of dopamine or joy when actually they're kind of just sapping from it most of the time and it's just a product of you know them inviting you giving you this half opportunity to just give some of your attention away when actually your brain will almost definitely come up with a better option you know whether it's just more satisfying like cleaning the dishes or you know that gives you that brain space to what Sam said earlier, that that's downtime would allow the moment for that idea that you've been wanting to have to just pop into your head. You know, don't cheat yourself out of being bored. Um, basically, is the kind of broader, also, yeah. Point. You also, I think there's something, you know, we are too harsh on ourselves. Like, oh, yeah, for sure. 
like I forced myself okay I'm gonna exercise five days in a week I'm going to the gym five days in a week but then the day where for whatever reason you don't feel like it and you don't do it then you're so harsh on yourself and that takes you down so then you need to find like again it's about shifting that mindset so okay today is not today and it's okay and it's just and same like if you maybe maybe instead of do like 10 minute stretches and that's enough but I'm like it's just yeah try to it's just basically accept that yeah accept that freedom of nothingness that any like no like it doesn't have to be planned all the time I'm a planner I need a routine I need a structure but sometimes it's most beneficial time is when you nothing planned yeah and this is actually a point that I don't know how much of these podcasts will just relate to me talking about no wasted days for IO, but I like, but, but, but it seems to happen a lot, which I'm choosing to believe is, is reassuring. Um, but yeah, I would often fall in that exact same trap of like planning out these kind of Cartesian kind of days that required is a bit like what Sam was saying about, you know, breaking up your days into 15 minute chunks and believing you're this kind of lunatic that can fill them brilliantly productively from start to finish. Um, but I would plan out these days that involved, you know, getting up at the crack of dawn, doing the gym, blah, 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 meditating, having a stretch, like all good things. But then when you see it in your own insights page of these, you know, you just you just haven't done these things day after day. It does prompt you to ask you the question, well, is this something I really want? Or is this something that I'm just doing out of a sense of obligation or to keep up with the Joneses? Like a lot of that has manifested in my life, like in terms of the gym, you know, in my 20s, I went to the gym a lot, sometimes because I had goals, sometimes because I was compensating, you know, for a lack of, you know, physical self-assurance. Um, but in the last few years where I've dedicated my mind more freely and willingly to things that are a bit more related to my joy and purpose, like the expression of ideas, building friendships, building tools like No Waste Today's um and I feel I feel so 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 much better you know I, and it's not like my fitness has gone off a cliff you know I went to the gym in Cusco yesterday and you know it was a bit of a wake-up call but you know I, I'm perfectly healthy I do lots of walking I eat very well so you know that that previous obsession I had with trying to fit that thing in I was doing it it, it was only when I saw it not happen not happen not happen not happen day after day that invited me to question whether it was really mattered to me or it was really related to my joy, which I found out in, in hindsight that it's not. And I think sometimes we don't treat ourselves to asking that question because we assume that it is, or we assume that if we haven't done it, it's a failure on our own willpower or discipline because um, we've seen a million other people on Instagram with these ridiculous you know, routines or bodies or whatever. You know, it's like, nah, it's like start with knowing what your joy is start with knowing what you're, you're working towards and then you know try and plan out a day don't just kind of cram it with this kind of ridiculous type a productivity stuff uh and then you know to your final point jade which was the one i initially jumped off which is like being then being hard on yourself for no reason because you're trying to do something that fundamentally you know it doesn't doesn't matter to you yeah this is this is meditation the conversation like this is you know what i mean like well if you haven't done your hours meditation from 5 45 a.m in the morning like who even are you what's wrong with you but 
yeah that that was my that's my beating myself up about it thing because you know I started meditating and no doubt it's good like of course it is like it's it's a good thing and I really pushed to do it but I was always pushing to do it and it wasn't until I really really interrogated okay well what is it what is it about meditating that makes me feel good what is the feeling that I'm looking for here what is the thing and then you finally come to the realization that it's not necessarily just the act of crossing your legs and doing the thing and closing your eyes. It's how you feel. And you Mm. can get that by doing a myriad of other exercises or things. So for me, it's going for a bike ride. It's going for a run. It's doing what, like going for a walk. That's meditation. Just because it's not like the fucking Wim Hof breathing exercise doesn't mean it's not the same output and outcome. And that again, like that's a big learning, I think for me, where it's sort of, why do I do this every day? Well, it's because this is my meditation. This is my thing that mm. makes me feel better. But I'm not beating myself up about not following, like Jade, you said, it's like the magic mornings, isn't it? Or something like that. Yeah, the morning, yeah. Yeah. yeah um, in the morning and have a whole day before yeah. you Tell you day. what, that's a really lovely idea if you haven't got children. <laughs> yeah. magic mornings or just random screaming child at 443 <laughs> but yeah like that that that's it like that's that was a big sort of realization for me as well you know it's because what were the things on the list you know it's like write your journal yeah. do, the thing, do the thing do the thing do the thing and I would end up filling up I would write a to-do list of like my to-do list and then do try and do all of the things and then just add additional pressure to myself to complete the to-do list and if I failed at doing that then I'd feel even worse and the whole point of this thing was to make me feel better about it yeah and you know what this this ties in super super nicely to like the, the the earlier conversation around what type of person are you what gives you joy and are you you know are you an action orientated person if so then by all means like hit that list like do that thing get the joy get the hit the dopamine hit out of all of doing that but if you're not then that's kind of fine too you just need to find your own weird tangential amorphous blob of a list that makes you happy just do you but i think it it does take practice and experience to come to that realization now, I think we've all been like guilty of trying to feed like an ideal that social media or just life, just like a society can like teach you. But then you try to do it. Like for me, the good wake up call was I started doing bullet, uh, bullet journaling and it does tell you, and you've got this kind of like reading keys. And if you push a task three days in a row, is, the impo- is this important? No. Yeah. Yeah. And it's kind of like re just yeah reasserting like what's important what's matter but before doing that i've tried american morning i've tried waking up at 5 30 i tried to do every single thing that people tell you oh it's gonna make you feel good but at the end of the day it doesn't no so it's and we i think and also like a lot of people you know you've got they are guilty of preaching oh this works for me so you should like you should mm-hmm. do it it might work for you but maybe like i know that i'm not a runner so meditation when running is definitely not there's <laughs> <laughs> definitely but swimming on the opposite like that's where um, when i'm in water that's where i kind of switch off or when i cook just cooking it's just like that simply creativity of not thinking and putting ingredients together for me that's my meditation as well so it's just yeah understand and 
what's good and what works. I mean, not what's good, but what works for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what? I think that might be one of the hardest things in mentoring. Yeah. Where you want to give answers and you want to help, but so much of it comes down to self-discovery that yeah. you, you can give the tools and you can give, you know, like here's here's the like here's the Lego set. Like here's a Lego set of ideas, but I'm not going to build it for you because my house yeah. is going to look completely different to yours. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's a really big learn that I've had. And this goes for everything from mentoring to managing to, to all of that, where I remember when I felt like I had my first sort of managing job and I thought, wow, cool. Look at me. I'm a manager. Like, I know what I'm doing. If I've made it, then surely my method is the the way it's like, it's the thing. And then I would be frustrated with people in the team that were like clearly not doing what I thought was the right way of doing things and it's that reality check that you need where it's like no just because it worked for you doesn't mean that same rule will apply to everybody else and then you have to take the time and it's it you know this is again self-awareness of being open to realizing that your way isn't necessarily the right way for everybody and being open to understanding how other people work and mm. what makes them tick and how you can support them even if that feels completely weird to you but that's that's definitely a big thing. I think it comes back to our initial conversation. It's just be objective. Like mm -hmm. it's just detaching yourself from actually in this case yourself to yet not to preach and yeah, that's kind of a just be objective with your life. I mean, yeah, the everyday life and just like the reflection, like what projection you put on people as well. Yeah. In in defense of people, um, <laughs> ob ob objectivity is about your own actions and choices, or, in, or indeed those of others, is exceptionally hard thing to do if you're just using your eyes and your ears and your brain. You know, you need more of a prompt than those three kind of like vehicles are going to give you. Um, and that is, you know, part of the usefulness of No Roasted Days is that... Um, is that the playback you get from looking in the, your insights diary of all of these days where you've tried to set out your stool in one way or another, you know, you, if you're anything like me, my experience was, you know, using the, the format as an excuse for trying to try and be more productive, not necessarily happier, but just do more. And you see some of the costs to your feeling that come with doing that, or you just because some of the prompts about memories, you reflect on the nature of the day where, yeah, maybe you did more, but you didn't feel any better. And then you see a day on your thing where perhaps the only thing you said you'd go and do was go and get an ice cream with your missus and have a walk. And you see a, a, a maximum feeling score against that day. Yep. And you're like, oh, well, that, that was some of the objectivity that perhaps I was lacking my own brain trying to figure out what was best for me by itself would have always said, no, 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 no. You know, you need to have five things and they need to be crammed full of stuff. And, you know, because that's what led us up to this, you know, but actually, you know, it's more nuanced than that. But figuring out some of those nuances by yourself is very, very hard. And to, 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 the, to kind of the point of the mission of No Ways Todays, we all need far more support with doing that introspecting objectifying of our own lives you know than we get because it's not straightforward to do and if you can do it it ladders up to good stuff like we will all like your to your point sam around not wanting to build a lego house for your 
um, team, you know, you know that actually if you let them trial and error, you give them some steers about which blocks go in where, they'll get to a good outcome. You know, they might mess it up a couple of times, but they will get there. It will look different to your house, but they'll get there. You know, we'll, we'll all do some thinking for ourselves if we are assured and aware and have some support that ladders up to a good and healthy and happy person, even if we all do it slightly differently. We just need some help doing that. You know, and it doesn't necessarily have to be another person. It just has to be pioneering uses of techno <laughs> technology, <laughs> just like no wasted days. Um, but yeah, <laughs> so, so what, yeah, objectivity is hard, um, and we all need lots of help. And no wasted days. Io is one useful way in which to give yourself some help for free. Um, well, <laughs> way to go, me steering that hard and fast towards, <laughs> uh, towards my own shit. Do you have a kind of technique or an activity that anybody could do that is kind of creative or involves, you know, being having a creative idea that you feel has improved your self-assurance or self-awareness or indeed would improve that of other people and it's just a little kind of technique or activity you know it could be you know jade you already mentioned sam's one about turning a three minute elevator pitch make it 60 seconds make it 30 seconds make it five seconds you know that that kind of thing but maybe not that thing itself well i think we get everyone can have an idea i think everyone is creative like as a kid we're all creative there's this great i think it's a pixar short that shows like this really colorful world, which is kids playing around and being kids and the gray adult world. And it's like this kid trying to stay creative and colorful, but then you've got just the weight of society that just teaches you of, no, you need to go to the office, you need to do nine to five. And then losing his color and obviously more out of the story that dad lets him creative and then they're all creative and then they're all colorful together. Um, but I think we all, at the end of the day, we all are creatives. Like everyone can have an idea. And I think like any agency, when they do a brainstorm, a brainstorm should be open to everyone because if, if like everyone has a different perception and those perceptions are the, are the most important. So I guess it's more like if someone tells you you're not creative, well, tell them to fuck off. Uh... <laughs> <Great>. <laughs> But no, I think it's just nurture your inner child and nurture your passion if you love obscure metal Norwegian music, just go for it. Like what like just go full on into it. Like go explore, go to the museum, just go read, go just I think it's again, it's just be open and aware of the world that's around you. I think the creativity comes from everywhere around you and everyone is a creative. Yeah, no, I think I think that's a lovely point. Like the thing that just came to my mind, because again, trying to put myself in the head of of someone who perhaps you know has has become that grey version of a, an of an adult via just you know succeeding at challenges put in front of them. Like you know they're very high functioning, they've got the best degrees, they've got a great job, but they're kind of scratching around wondering why they don't feel a little bit better than they do, or or that they don't have much idea of what they are as as a, as a self you know, lots of those people might be trapped by being the idea of being crap at something, 
you know, they might want to, you know, pick up the bass guitar and try and, you know, play some stuff from their favorite Norwegian death metal band or, or whatever you just mentioned, but they'd be too trapped about the idea of being crap, you know, because they're so high functioning in the rest of their life and they see that as what they want to present to the world. Um, when actually, you know, it's not, it's, kind of betrays my idea of a technique or activity but it's at least what I came to my mind is just like um yeah I think lots of the joy I experience in life is not worrying about how good I am you know I'm yeah. just gonna I'm gonna do it because I it's what my nose and brain is telling me it's worth doing now and I have a feeling I'd be, feel worse or be less self-aware or assured if I hadn't have done that and I know for sure there are people out in the world because I sometimes speak to them I speak I've spoken to them while I was traveling you know who who you can see it in their eyes you know it's like well i've got this amazing apartment and and look at look at my high functioning life but you know but they've got no much idea about how they're going to be more self-aware or self-assured um and the way to start that is by not worrying about how i mean like are. yeah when you see like all those like bankers burning out at 35 and opening a cheese shop i mean yeah, yeah. you know exactly. oh just go and have like uh open like uh a vineyard with like natural wine like and just go back to what really makes them happy i mean that does tell you something like society just told us to you need to force yourself into one scheme but i mean that leads to burnout and then then but at the end of the day like i think as human we've got more than one life you know you got different like different path that works and same you know it's same with you know you don't have i mean you know people like told us oh you've got one true love but actually the person you are with at x amount like at that time of your life it's your true love for that period of time whether it lasts or it doesn't but then it's being true to yourself on whether it's work whether it's relationship whether it's whatever that might be yeah no yeah. i i i couldn't echo that any more strongly um is we can probably butcher the the famous confucians confucius quote of like the best time to plant a tree was 10 years ago. The second best time is now. And just substitute tree for a cheese shop. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm uh, a millennial dream, mate. It's the but, it's, dream. but it's true. The point about, you know, anything you do is just is just a, an, an expression of your uh, current condition, skills, whatever in the moment. You know, it isn't, you don't have to support this prior label that you perhaps have had, you know, and that labeling exercise, I think is quite pertinent in the creative space. You see yourself as a creative, so therefore you're going to do and live your life entirely based on that lens. But what if actually you wanted to be more, you know, do fucking anything else? <laughs> you know, that you should know that you have the freedom to do so, and that life will organise itself around that. You know, after a bit of the courage to start, you're not trapped behind one by one label any more than your mind convinces yourself that you are. Um, which yeah. might not be the most obviously constructive point to say, but it's true. Um, we're we're we taught are. kind of from day one almost to self-censor. Mm. And that's, I think, a massive part of it where, you know, you're saying, oh, well, I, I don't want to be shit at this thing or I'm not creative or I'm not this, I'm not that, whatever. And even when you're creative, it's why well, I can't show round one I can't show these random sketches because it's not the final thing. It's 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 not good enough. Or even worse, if you're if you're an artist, then you never launch anything or you never release anything because it's never final. It's never good enough. It's never whatever. 
And that's like that that to me is another major, major stepping stone in sort of opening yourself up to being rubbish at something and opening yourself up to sharing things that you're that aren't perfect and aren't done. And having that self-confidence to be able to talk about it and just just go ahead with it. Like again, I've been super guilty of this, where re- recently, stupid, stupid example, but we were talking about Twitter and we're talking about social media and how nowadays it almost feels like you have to have a presence you have to have an online presence to get the talks to do the thing the blah the blah but there's so much like pent up oh I couldn't possibly do that I couldn't possibly say my actual opinion on the internet I couldn't do that I spent all day I spent my entire career coming up with ideas and selling shit for brands because that's over there that doesn't matter like Ben and Jerry's doesn't represent me. Disney isn't me. Like it doesn't matter. But all of a sudden, when you're putting yourself out there, it's a major thing. If I yeah, if I put a video out there of me trying to learn to play a guitar, I'll be terrible. And you're scared of what other people's reactions. Like that's that's kind of it. But it is trying to, and it's yeah, something that I I think about a lot in terms of trying to remove those senses, like from myself. Like no one's the best at everything even though we yeah. keep like we keep creating this weird false narrative that you have to be and that's like that's another thing where again maybe this is going back to advertising a little bit more but there is this sort of in incessant fear of well you couldn't possibly say bring something up in a room unless it was a perfectly formulated brilliant idea or you know it has to be perfect you couldn't possibly show a design that might still be a work in progress because then it might get shot down but it's like if you share that random shit, people might enjoy it. People might like that and give you that confidence to do more of it. Yeah, and that may be the final product. You never know, actually. I don't know. Yeah, you I, said I, some I think... sketches. <laughs> <laughs> that's never that's never the final product. <laughs> yeah, well, I think this is actually a really good lane. And I think we can turn to my question about these being techniques or activities. I think we can sort of contort this into one. So even if it was just asking yourself the question, or oh, what would I say or what would I do if I wasn't self-censoring? You know, that might just be enough to get something out of somebody listening um, that, you know, empowers them to do x or feel x or say y you know that might just be the the kind of the gateway that they needed um, yeah. and you know into what we were just saying you never know where that goes you never know what that initial kernel of sketch or confidence or whatever or saying the thing out loud you never know what that ladders up to but you, you know you can it's like the wayne gretzky quote of like you know you miss all the shots you don't take mm-hmm. you know if you if you never blurt out that you know that thought that maybe wasn't the perfect you know you never give that a chance to snowball into something that actually was hugely influential on your joy or or purpose or self-assurance yeah i mean there was a meeting where someone said why don't we send a tesla into space yeah you know (laughs) that that happened that was the thing somebody said that what a dumb stupid idea what a brilliant idea you know it's that's it well, yeah, it's like someone says, let's go to the moon, you know, just yeah. uh, same thing. Yeah, so I know that is currently in a pitch deck um, that I'm working on at the moment. We're trying to send <laughs> something to the moon. That is a thing. It will be a thing. I'm determined to make it a thing. 
and, and we could probably do another podcast just exploring you know advertising and its relative worth when all you're considered doing is sending things into space uh, <laughs> What would be an ideal no wasted day to you? Go on, Sam. Again, hot hot takes. This is the quick Ooh. fire round, the classic podcast quick fire round. You know what? Like, I feel like it's kind of counter to the name, but doing sweet fuck all would be yeah. absolutely lovely. Well, it's funny you say that, Sam. Yeah. Um, because <laughs> lots of people think no wasted days means not like you know type a cramming a load of shit into the day but actually it really just relates to not letting the information that you need to learn more about yourself go to waste mm. um so yeah like if you want to spend a day you know living the vida loca with your with your arms up you know that's that's your day and that's yep. No, I can I can give a I can give a maybe slightly better answer than that but I think like essentially that but I think you know you know I was talking earlier about the sort of the three phases of a day so like the input process output I think that that is usually where I'm happiest so I do I do feel like every day I want to have some sort of output but that doesn't necessarily have to be oh I've come up with this incredible idea or I've solved this client problem or whatever it just means that I feel like I've done a thing so then I can almost feel the reward afterwards does that make sense? So it could be exercise where I've gone for a really long ride and I feel absolutely knackered and then I have a shower and you have that lovely like post-ride endorphin high and you sit and you just eat donuts on the couch and you just watch some like terrible film. Like that's great. Or, you know, again, going down the as a dad route, honestly, just spending time with my daughter, being able to just hang out with her and just watch her do stupid stuff and play around and mess about with her. And just the, the whole world just melts into the background when we're doing that, because you can't be on your phone. You can't be paying attention to other stuff because, well, she'll do some dumb shit. But it's 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 such a wonderful way of filling your day with nothing. Yeah, and that's yeah, that's for me, the ideal day. That's good. Well, for me, to your point, Sam, I'm learning to do nothing. That doing nothing is good. <laughs> I've got a really chill boyfriend, as you all know. Uh, and yeah, and it was for a long time. It was just for me, it was like a weekend. I had to be filled with a lot of stuff. I had to do stuff. Like I had to get out of the house. And no, like over the weekend, yeah, just now I'm just learning to do nothing. And it's good to do nothing. And now I'm learning to sleep in the morning. Don't have to be anxious to be wake up super early. Um, but I guess for me, no, a no wasted day will be just going to the gym in the morning because that helps my mental health. Uh, and that just helped me set the tone for my day. That was like, yeah. yeah. Just as, but that can be just like, that can be as simple as a morning stretch. Like doesn't have to go to the gym or like, or even now I take like, because I walk to work, it's like, okay, sometimes when I don't go to the gym, actually I have, I don't put anything. I don't listen to anything. And I just walk and enjoy the world around me as like a me time exercise perfect so you, the way i envision this in my head which is is not always the recipe to, to a good idea um is that i would ask what a kind of ideal no waste today was 
but also I'd ask what a kind of typical no wasted day was. Um, you know, would you have an easy re response to that follow up question? Because I feel it's interesting the gap between perhaps what your ideal was, but also your day to day lived experience. You know, and how actually they have some shared themes, like to your point, Sam, around like whether you're, you know, you're, you're logging on or whether you're by yourself, you want some input process output. Um, yeah. But, you know, the focus of it would be different or the structure of the rest of the day would be different. You know, so, you know, if could either of you describe what a, a typical no wasted day was or a best lived day, you know, what, what you've got in your current lives, the ones that yeah, yeah. force you to do things. <laughs> and not just you know sleep in i think like there, there's a lot of again it's sort of counter to everything that we've been talking about but there's a lot there is a lot of structure to my day pretty much every day and that is due in no part to just general adulting and that's you just have to have it so we'll wake up Avery will wake up, we'll walk the dog, we'll drop her off at nursery, we'll do the thing, we'll have breakfast, we'll sit down, we'll have a coffee. But I think that the when we, you know, when I when I think about the morning routine, it's kind of regimented just due to the nature of timings, but we'll always make time to make a proper coffee and make breakfast and make sure that we have at least sort of 10, 15 minutes before like the start of the day to just chill and it's not it's not so much again it's not the, the calendar 15 minute chunks but it kind of just works like that you know you wake up and if if we wake up early or like so perfect perfect example this morning had a lay until about half seven woke up got every dress went to did, did the whole thing did did work day before woke up really early so i went for a run and that was like that kind of fits in but then it just meant that that slot that I used almost super early in the morning, I then moved to later in the day today. So I did the exercise in the afternoon. So I still get that chunk. It's still part of my no wasted day, but it's just in a different, different yeah. part of it. And then, yeah, again, like the person who's speaking, the, the sort of the three, three main phases, that's, I would say now pretty much consistent every single day. And that's really, really helped to converge the idea of what an ideal day is and a typical day. You know, you, you can't escape the meetings, can't escape all the bullshit. Like that's, that's always going to be there. But if you've got all of that in check, then you can make sure you've got time in the evening. And then I suppose, yeah, the final part, like, yeah, work, work is work. But the evening, trying to make time for self, to sit eat dinner like just watch some shit on tv if you want that's fine it doesn't have to be some amazing intellectual thing it can just be whatever but giving myself that time to just defrag and then go to bed unstressed that's a massive massive piece yeah yeah i think for me it would be more like trying to have enough time for myself whether it's go to the gym like meditate it i feel for it or just like clean the kitchen because I was too lazy to do it like the night before or we didn't do it or we did a mess when we cook so I think it's just yeah having that time in the morning for myself and more like then obviously yeah as some said just like work is work and then yeah just the evening just yeah have some time together like with Jordan and chill and cook and do try to we try to do leave like the work 
problem outside home, but sometimes work does take over. Uh, but yeah, try to really have a sit down dinner and just, yeah, be together. And yeah, sometimes it just means we're going to watch some shit TV and it's lovely. And that's what we're going to yeah. do that. And he's cooking dinner now, so. <laughs> <laughs> no, perfect, perfect, nice. Uh, okay, so there's two final kind of, another kind of couplet of questions. So what is one thing you've added to your life, be it a habit, you know, a, a service, um, a, a bit of wisdom, a product, et cetera, that has helped you be more self-aware or self-assured? Um, and then on the other flip side of that, what's one thing you've perhaps removed from your life that in turn has helped you be more self-aware or self-assured? Um, does mm. anything come to mind on that plus or minus side yeah I think for me it's like yeah, bullet journaling in the morning because then I start with three gratitudes kind of like three affirmations just really simple but just really trying to put in perspective what matter and just simple and they can be as simple I had a fucking good coffee this morning <laughs> like that's really important and then just yeah have like put those bullet tasks, like, do I have a meeting that's important? Or actually I care? Or do I need to, or this like something like, just I need to take some time and go for a walk, like those really simple thing. And then have a task of, just have a box of kind of like reflection and reflect on the day and what went well, but also try, that's for me, it's like the opportunity of not being too harsh on myself. So for example, if I've been too, like not too emotional, like about a meeting or something that's not concern me or, and it's like doing that, like really actually helped me to be more aware and actually detach myself and be more objective to go back to our conversation before. Yeah, lovely. Love that. You know, so bullet journaling would be the example of a kind of a habit or a product. And in turn, that's helped you add more, you know, self-compassion or, you know, these other kind of bigger emotional layers to your day, um, which in turn make you more self-aware and self-assured. Um <laughs> Sam, does anything come to mind? Um, not, not much more to add. I think, like for for me, it's that it's that process part of the day. That's the most important piece, and that is the time that I give myself to be aware and take in the signals from the world and process and just enjoy. That's that's it, and it's it's become not a privilege but an expectation on my day, which I think is a big thing, and then. Um, the the piece about removing i kind of think it is the ego yeah which yeah is, are you we, sure you removed it though yeah 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 oh no i mean it's become so big that it's just all encompassing so i don't know <laughs> but it's i i again i used to be so aware of you know you're in a room what do you do oh i'm a blah i do yeah. this thing whatever just cutting that shit out of my life has it, it it's really hard and i'm not I'm, I'm i'm dismissing it as like as a thing of course it's incredibly difficult and i feel very very fortunate to be able to be in a position where i no longer feel like i had to prove myself and and you know you always feel oh well my value is intrinsically linked to whatever people's opinions of me are that has gone that has moved to to the point in which it's still like it'll always be there but it's not a major contributing factor to my happiness anymore and being able to move away from that and separate myself from it has been a massive benefit I think now I don't care like people ask what I do and it's not my job title mm. and that's a that's a big shift 
Yeah. Yeah. And I, I've tried to be sensitive to that in the structure of these podcasts, because like I've described you two as people with certain skills and experiences, not with two people with certain labels, mm. you know, mm. you know, and, and I think that's really important because we are not, you know, any job is at the very best, a half decent proxy of who we are, yeah. you know, so the idea that that's the mode for which we go and explain ourselves to others who we are. And it's kind of like, it's kind of a nonsense question. You know, I'm always keen to do that. Also, when we're connecting with people whilst traveling, it's like, I want to, I'll ask them about, you know, a place they've been that they really loved or, um, you know, an idea that they had that they really have have enjoyed recently, you know, as a kind of starter question versus, oh, so what do you do? You know, mm-hmm. as if that matters at all, you know, in the kind of course of their life and mind um so yeah no the ego thing you know speaking of things that could be a another separate podcast <laughs> <laughs> that that could definitely be one 